0: Game. Canada, the NBA is yours. The Toronto Raptors are the 2019 NBA champions. It was the summer of 2020, one year after delivering Canada its first NBA World Championship, when a defining moment of social justice happened. An event that shook the NBA and all of professional sports as we now know it the Toronto Raptors, a Canadian team, decided to sit out their game against the Boston Celtics in support of the anti-police brutality protests taking place across North America. Now, it might've looked like this movement had started on the basketball court, but I think this voice for social change began long before that. Beyond the locker room, inside the offices of the Raptors organization, Because for these players to take a stand on the world's public stage, they had to know that their teammates, their fans, and the entire Maple Leaf sports and entertainment organization had their back. Taking a knee wasn't going to get the job done. So the entire Raptors organization took a stand. Today... On this episode of Insights at Work, we'll hear firsthand from someone inside the Toronto Raptors organization, its HR leader, who crafted their groundbreaking diversity commitment, the first of its kind for some of North America's most successful professional sports franchises. We're talking about leading corporate change through diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we'll hear all about it from Terry Dennis-Davies. Chief People and Inclusion Officer for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. The lady behind the loudest voice in the NBA in its fight for social change. This is Insights at Work. Let's dive in. I'm Jeff Livingston and this is Insights at Work, the HR podcast that looks at what's happening in the HR world, takes your questions and studies the research to help HR experts move forward. It's prepared by HR experts for HR experts. In today's episode, we're chatting with Terry Dennis-Davies, someone whose impact I've been able to see firsthand. Terry is a leader in diversity. Terry is a champion for mentoring and building the processes to support females in her organization. And Terry does all of this in an industry that's highly male dominated, professional sports. Terry is the Chief People and Inclusion Officer at MLSE, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, home of the Toronto Raptors, home of the Toronto Maple Leafs, home of the Toronto FC and the Toronto Argos. Whether it's on the hardwood, the ice, the field, the pitch, or in the hallways of the offices That support these amazing teens you can see terry's impact and i'm so glad to have her as a guest today terry welcome to the insights at work podcast
1: wow what an intro thank you so much jeff i'm happy to be here terry it is really just such a pleasure to have you here you've got this great
0: professional career story you went to law school you're licensed to practice in two states you have worked in the bahamas the united states and canada you've gone from consulting to banking and now into professional sports entertainment it's a very unusual and a very refreshing career trajectory
1: terry tell me about your career journey and your transition into hr yeah thank you i actually um have had both a very deliberate career path and also very much, uh, by chance. So married nicely together. Uh, I actually started in hospitality. I started with Hyatt hotels. I'm, I'm from the United States and, uh, like many other college, uh, university students, uh, bartended waitress, uh, to, to earn some extra cash and, um, uh, met some people from Hyatt hotels. And it was an organization that I knew was global and i knew that i could potentially move around in this organization and travel and those are the sort of core elements of my personality and they are actually integral to the decisions that i've made relative to many of the organizations that i've joined so i moved around quite a bit with uh with hyatt hotels and then at one point uh, you know really at a at a time that most that looked inward would say, what are you doing? Um, Because my career was really uh, taking off. I decided, no, I I think I wanna disrupt this completely and do something that I think is going to be useful and open even more doors down the road. And that was to take a sabbatical and go to law school. So I, I attended law school for three years. I studied for the bar. I worked in a law firm for a year and quickly discovered that it was not. What I wanted to do long term, the partnership track was not appealing to me at that time, uh, and I thought I could perhaps, you know, get some roles that would marry both uh, legal work and HR. And um, and that actually reminds me that I I need to tell you how I got into HR, and that was with Hyatt Hotels. So moving from bartending into an HR role after talking to a number of HR professionals about what they did, what they liked about what they did, and where they saw some of the skills that and capabilities that they had seen me demonstrate. And so my first job was in the Grand Hyatt, New York. So from there, um, I had the, the great opportunity to really move around all of the disciplines in HR with Hyatt. Because I was mobile and was able to move around, I was able to really take advantage of multiple opportunities. And when I went to law school, I knew that I wanted to continue in the HR field, um, but I wanted the expertise, particularly around labor relations. At the time that I decided to go to law school, I was working in San Francisco. Uh, I was responsible for labor relations. And had been through a series of very tough negotiations with our collective bargaining um units and just use that to say to myself, you could have this expertise and credibility as well. And you can bring that to the table married with your HR experience. And that's why I went to law school.
0: Wow. Now we're peeling back the layers here. What a great introduction into the world of HR. You're such a people person. Now everyone loves hearing stories about brushes with greatness, and being at the Grand Hyatt, I bet celebrities would cross your path all the time. Terry, do you have a Terry Davies brush with greatness story?
1: Wow, that is a fantastic question that I don't think I've ever been asked. But I have an amazing answer. So uh, I was working uh, in Boston, actually at the Hyatt in Cambridge, uh, which was an amazing um, area in the Northeast, and. Uh, at the bar, I was walking through the hotel lobby, and at the bar was Maya Angelou, and she was having a a cocktail by herself. And I thought to myself, "Oh my goodness, we are really not supposed to go up to guests and say anything." Uh, but I just could not resist this opportunity, so I politely went up and 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 asked, um, you know, her if it was okay for me to just spend a minute or so with her. And she was so incredibly gracious. I was overwhelmed, to be honest with you. I I couldn't believe I was in her presence. She asked me about some of the books that I had from her and she allowed me to bring in one the next day for her signature, which was just amazing. So I will never ever forget that day at the Hyatt in uh, Cambridge, Boston. So,
0: wow. We are reading right now, I read to our daughter every night, she's seven years old, and we are reading The Rebel Book, and it's all about impactful women in history. And we have read about Maya Angelou. Okay, that's fantastic. Good for you. Great story. So what is so interesting about your your trajectory and what you talk about? You talk about opening doors and you talk about having a really varied skill set. What I think is so neat about HR is that they touch so many parts of the, of the organization in the business as an HR professional, what would you say to those HR professionals out there? What are the skill sets that they should be developing on their own and improving that really would help them open doors to different parts of their, their businesses?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, HR professionals, um, you know, typically give very sound, very good advice to the rest of the organization and don't often get the chance to collaborate with each other on their own careers and their own career paths. And so I think um, curiosity has served me well. I know we talk a lot about being curious, but what I mean by curiosity is really taking the time to understand why something is the way it is. So when decisions are made, you don't always get to understand the behind the scenes conversations, all of the context that may go into it. Um, but when those opportunities are available to you, ask the questions about why. Why do we still continue to do to do the things that we do? I also ask a lot of colleagues what they do, um, what they do day in and day out because i often I often find that they're working on something that's actually connected to the work that I'm doing. So I am an oasis lover. we 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 called our our sort of employee space an oasis. Uh, and I love to go in there and just talk to people about what they're working on. And it's not a heavy conversation, but they say, you know i'm I'm working on this X project, and it's really cool. Um, I got a big deadline coming up. And then you're like, wow, I didn't actually know you were doing that. That's very similar to what we were talking about doing. Uh, and you often make connections that way and just build relationships with people that are doing different things, um, things that you might be interested in.
0: Yeah, uh, ADP and ADP, when you join ADP, you take a survey, it's a 15 minute survey, and it identifies two of your core nine strengths and mine is a connector. So that's something that I really, oh. um, I really can relate to because I always like connecting people and I like seeing how different projects are connected. And I also, I grew up in a small family business. So my dad, he was chatty Cathy like I am. And, <laughs> um, and so I'm always really interested in what everybody else is working on or what their business is about or when I get to talk to clients, I always wanna know everything about their business. So I think your advice which is my favorite piece of advice when I ask our guests is what would you, what's the one piece of advice you'd give to a young professional just starting out. And I'll ask you the same question. So you can't give this answer anymore, but your, your answer of be curious. That's been my favorite piece of advice that our guests always give usually at the end of the podcast. So yeah, that's really neat.
1: Well, thank you. And, and I would consider myself a connector, as well. So there you go. That's why we're in this moment together, Jeff. It's probably an HR thing.
0: <laughs> I think my
1: kids would say that, my teenagers.
0: So you've transitioned from purely uh, from an HR operations role and policy development role into a relatively new and innovative space, and that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Where did you go to with, for guidance in this like really new area?
1: Yeah, you know, so it's really interesting. I, um, I joined Royal Bank of Canada 14 years ago, and here's another global organization that I've had, um, the incredible benefit of moving around into different roles. And because it is, you know, a public bank that's regulated in various jurisdictions, um, you, you really can go deep. certain spaces and then you can be more broad and so i think over that that career with rbc i was really able to um, gain this experience of understanding the the breadth of a particular issue meaning i could tackle it from different perspectives every job that i've had has had an equity diversity and inclusion component to it whether it's talent management and succession planning, and setting diversity targets for senior leaders to increase representation at those levels, or it is as an HR partner and working with our businesses to help them meet their talent objectives, which include increasing diversity amongst their senior leaders. Or it could even be in a talent um, it, you know, an analytics role where you're analyzing data to understand the demographics of your organization, um, how you can meet the needs of those um, demographics and help people feel more included, more um, like that they, they belong. And you develop um, various programs that are relevant to those employee segments. And that also um, provided me with a perspective. Uh, And experience in that space. So, when I interviewed for the role at MLSE, it was true that I had not held uh, a dedicated role with that title, but I had touched it in so many very important ways um, from soup to nuts. And I also had accountability for developing uh, reports. That would then go to our senior leadership team at the bank, as well as our board of directors. So that, that broad experience, I think, positioned me uh, quite nicely for this incredible opportunity at MLSE.
0: Data is king, and it sounds like your analytical skill set really sets you apart. Just like revenue and operations figures, HR data probably provides the greatest insight into your biggest asset, people. And luckily, you had the ear of the senior leadership team before becoming one of them yourself, Terry. Now that you're leading HR Matters at MLSC, how do you ensure that your strategy and your vision is seen and felt and well embraced by those on the front line?
1: That's right. Um, you know, it's um, it's a, it it takes a multi-pronged approach. That, too, sounds very HR, but um it it really does take uh, tackling the challenge from many, many directions because you you know, what's relevant for one person or one employee segment is not going to be necessarily appealing to another employee segment. I think the approach that we took was to establish um, an equity diversity and inclusion commitment statement. And you know, lots of organizations have mission statements, um, vision statements. Um, we, you know, we, we really thought that a simple um, statement around our commitment to equity, diversity, and inclusion would help ground the momentum and the energy that already existed in the organization before I joined, and give it a sense of um, purpose. And so, we came up with the statement that we. Our commitment is to eliminate barriers, accelerate development, and ultimately change lives. And we thought that that could scale across the very diverse portfolio at MLSE and that employees could remember it. So when we talk about eliminating barriers, you know, that is something that employees understand. What's getting in the way of you being the best version of yourself at work? And Um, And what can we do as an organization to make you feel as comfortable, as productive, and included in in all the things that we do? And that is actually the approach we took. We took the employee experience and that sense of belonging um, and our commitment to full inclusion to help drive our strategic framework and help drive our activities. And create like a governance model that would be sustainable. So for employees to sustain their involvement, um, we came up with uh, a series of employee inclusion group um, notices and a process that employees could participate in to join one of four employee inclusion groups. We called it an inclusion group for a reason. We wanted people to build a sense of community, um, network with each other, have a safe space to talk to one another. And it would be for members of that particular inclusion group and their allies. So employees um, were identified to help lead these um, inclusion groups along with an executive sponsor. And they really set the agenda for the things that they think are important that they want to tackle in the upcoming year. And we support their efforts. And so far that has really um, taken on a life of its own. um, Because people do want to see, you know, things happen in the organization that will help them feel like they are part of a a much larger puzzle, so to speak.
0: Awesome. What great programs that those are.
1: Yeah, it's uh I know lots of organizations have have them, you know, they they call them employee resource groups. We we call ours employee inclusion groups. But um you know, for us because it it is new, it's about a year old. So far it has really really helped to shift our culture. Um and in a way that is very inclusive that seeks and, you know, gains employee feedback and input it's a source of um, engagement for sure. And um, boy, they've come up with some incredible programming, right? So, you know, many of these employees also work in our productions group. They work in um, all different departments that do this for our fans, right? And our various venues. And now they get to do it for their coworkers. So that's pretty <laughs> fun.
0: Terry ADP recently conducted a survey across Canada, and it showed that BIPOC working Canadians feel a bigger discomfort than their white counterparts, with over a third of them finding it difficult to ask for advice from either a colleague or a direct report. Now, when I saw this stat, I thought about allyship. I thought about how while many of us may want to help our colleagues, well, how many of us actually go out of our way to provide that support to show that we want to be that ally. So Terry, in your career path, how have you accessed allies? How important is allyship to you in the workplace? And were you ever afraid to ask someone to open a door for you?
1: Yeah, you know, I um I've had many um many sponsors and and allies throughout my career because I put myself in very uncomfortable situations, I put myself in um, in risky situations, meaning that you know when you assume new roles every couple of years, you assume a certain level of risk that maybe this role will not um, propel you in the same way or maybe this role you won't do as well, and that could you know in your mind harm your reputation uh, and so um you know. I am someone that will ask, um, to be included in consideration for various roles. I don't typically sit back and wait for people to ask, um, you know, is this something you might be interested in? I often ask why not me, right? When I see, um, you know, various moves occurring and it feels as though I haven't been considered. but I've had sponsors, I've had sponsors who have created the space for me to be at um, certain tables, hear conversations that you learn a great deal from, and see how businesses work, and how decisions are made. And um, And I have really benefited from that, uh, those informal opportunities as well as formal opportunities.
0: Carrie, it sounds like you've really made your views known about what you want out of your career. And it also sounds like you've had some great mentors. What about allies? In term of allyship, have you been fortunate enough to have that in your career?
1: Um, you know, allies are a bit trickier. I have had allies, but I don't, you know, it, you know, allyship requires you to really um, demonstrate that you are a supporter in the absence of, of it being the popular thing to do. Right. Um, and in the absence of the person that you might be, um, you know, demonstrating allyship towards. So sometimes that occurs and sometimes it doesn't, and it's disappointing. Um, and so, um, you know, to really truly be an ally to someone is to listen, uh, with empathy and, um, And be willing to, um, you know, interrupt, um, you know, inappropriate jokes or stereotypes that creep up in our workplace. Um, And so uh, throughout my career, for sure, um, I have been the beneficiary of, of both sponsorship and allyship.
0: Terry, when I think about the Toronto Raptors, I still think about how they led the charge in the NBA to increase awareness around the Black Lives Matter movement. And they're still doing it today when you watch the post game press conferences, you'll see in the background messaging around how black lives still matter.
1: Yes. Do
0: the other teams feel that way? And do the other MLSE franchises, do they look to the Raptors to introduce, you know, like new DEI initiatives or like, what's that impact? How's that impact rippled through the rest of the MLSE franchises?
1: Yeah, you know, we are really, really fortunate um, that, the first four months uh, of my time at MLSC, I had the benefit and it was it was definitely COVID um, related to have that kind of time with uh, the general managers from each of those teams to sit around and talk about equity, diversity and inclusion in their organizations. And so general manager from the Leafs, Toronto Raptors and so on. And so TFC and Argos, as well as uh, our executive director from MLSC Foundation, um, who also represented our community center launch pad. Um, We had those individuals around a table uh, for four months. And we talked about what the current state was in their organizations, where they saw challenges and where they could use help. And you know, it's the first time that those general managers had ever had that kind of forum to talk to each other about equity, diversity, and inclusion, and uh, and, and honestly, and transparently. And it was wonderful to see. Uh, And they helped me to craft uh, a framework and that governance model that I referenced earlier. Um, And so what we've done is at the outset, we've taken the position that we would help to guide the entire organization with enterprise wide initiatives to build awareness, um, help everyone understand our commitment. And as I said, give initiatives and activities that were already underway, um, you know, a a framework um, from which to go forward because we didn't want to dilute our effort and our impact. We wanted to use our platform thoughtfully and um and with purpose and so you know we created sort of these horizontal channels from which we would build a consistent narrative of what mlse is trying to do and then of course each team has its own personality its own interest uh in pursuing the same um commitment towards equity, diversity, and inclusion. And we didn't want to take that secret sauce away from each of, of the teams, but we work very closely. And now we have various mechanisms. We have a cross-functional advisory committee that still consists not of the general managers, but representatives from those organizations. You know, the Leafs is an example. Shortly thereafter, um, you know, committed to bringing on um, as an example, Um, you know, individuals that would be part of a leadership development program. And because organizationally at MLSE, we put out a public letter, we put out a diversity statement, and we said, you know, that we're committed to these things, we highlighted our priorities and our priority segments. And our priority segments, not at the exclusion of everyone else, our priority segments were black and indigenous and so at the leafs they very early on said we want to have development programs bring individuals from black and indigenous backgrounds to see how the leafs organization operates do a rotation through the organization and um, serve to fuel either uh, future leadership opportunities at the Leafs or other NHL organizations. And, you know, we have been identified and celebrated, you know, not just in the GTA, but in these professional leagues that we're a part of for the efforts that we're making. So, yes, all of the teams are committed. Um, they all have their own individual who helps to activate their initiatives. Um, And then stays connected to what we're doing um, at the enterprise level.
0: So sports and entertainment, it's an industry, it's often filled with young people. How do you and MLSE make it work? How do you keep that strong connection between the different age groups, between the senior leadership team and the millennials?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, there is a young demographic, but it is not as predominant, I think, as everyone um At least it's not the case for us. Um, we do have a nice blended organization. Um, and you can see um, that there's a layer of individuals that have grown up with MLSE, which is really fun to see. And, um, and you can see, you know, we're talking, you know, 20, 25, 30 years. It's pretty incredible. And then uh, you have you know, individuals who are doing, um, you know, co-ops and internships, and some of them have been transitioned into full-time roles. Um, you also have a lot of, uh, hourly and part-time employees that are very important to our service delivery, um, you know, in in all of our venues and they, they are what drive, you know, our business. Um, and, um, and, 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 You're talking a wide range in terms of demographics, because in many cases, you know, individuals are in school, they have other jobs, other commitments, and it fits that flexibility fits for them. Um, So. I I think organically um, it it works because you have a nice mix of people who love sports and entertainment and who really want to be there uh, and they consider it. you know, the place to be to, to, to get the experience that they need. Uh, And that's very, that's very unique and special. So you've obviously
0: been really close to some of the NBA greats, some of the greatest NHL legends over the last year and a half, which player or what experience really stands out that you're going to take away maybe in your next role, or what will you always remember about this last year and a half?
1: Um, you know, I I think for me I I moved organizations because I wanted to make an impact and I thought that that was possible at MLSE. And you know, not too long ago, maybe it's been 4 weeks, 5 weeks, you know, there was a press conference, there was an incident uh where um that involved a, a racial uh slur in an uh NHL game and um You know, John Tavares was interviewed, and he, before he went into the interview, made a comment about equity, diversity, and inclusion, how important it was to the Leafs, how important it was to him and his team, and that, uh, you know, the Leafs organization does not stand for that type of behavior. And that was unprompted. It was unscripted, and it was from the heart. And that was the truest demonstration of allyship that any of us could have ever dreamed or hoped for. And it was an incredibly proud moment for all of us, all of us in this space, um, all of us uh, in the Leafs organization. um, And to this day, we still talk about it. Um, And so that is, that's a great example of of what I would take with me. And in terms of not only the impact that you can drive in an organization, but to imagine what's possible when nothing existed um, and just a short time later, uh, you can see the fruits of, of your work.
0: Well, obviously it's your work and that commitment statement that uh, was probably at the top of his mind.
1: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we, we have an individual um, in, in the team who is a former Leafs player Um, and who is uh, working diligently to create a sense of normalcy in, and comfort in talking about um, all things equity, diversity and inclusion and what it means uh, for players from different backgrounds and their experience on the ice. And how do we create the space for them and all players to be themselves uh, so that they perform at their best and you know it's no different than you know what we want to achieve in 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 the office we want everybody to come in not face barriers do their work be the best they can be uh, and the same for players you don't want them facing um taunting on the ice that's distracting um from from what they do and and how they play and uh and it's not it's not right obviously so, I think that contributed to his um, being comfortable to to actually um, talk about what what he was feeling.
0: I love hearing how you talk about the players. Do you feel like do you feel this closeness as much to the players as you do to the office, to the team like inside the office, like in finance and hR and payroll and marketing and communications? like, do you feel, yeah, like yes, they might be this? You know professional athlete the superstar but like they're part of my team
1: i you know i think um well first of all you have a lot of fans that are employees right and um and they probably believe that um if they don't get to see them sort of pass if their job doesn't entail them having some visual line of sight to the players they probably believe that they still know them um you know, I have had um, the opportunity to actually present to the Leafs players um, what we were working on, um, and I thought that's pretty cool. I um, I'm not a uh, a huge sports fan. I wasn't before coming to MLSc, but you know, I will tell you, there's nothing better than watching a game uh, live or or on on the TV and um and 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 knowing that's your team. And knowing who the players are, and when we have employee events, sometimes you know the presidents uh, will join us, sometimes the general managers, and sometimes we get a player, right? And that's uh, very special to to our employees for sure. Terry, is there anything impactful
0: that we haven't talked about today that you want to talk about?
1: Boy, you know. Um, the the last thing I think I, I would leave with your readers about my own experience and journey, because it has been in a few different cultures, is to be careful about your assumptions. And we know that that is also something we tell all of our businesses and our partners, particularly as HR professionals, we want to minimize bias and protect against assumptions but we all have biases and we all work with assumptions and uh i'll give you just one example of how you know even uh for me you know assumptions uh prove to be wrong so i moved from the united states to the bahamas um where my husband was from and i thought this is going to be very different for me uh as a black professional Going into a country that is ruled, governed, um, all leadership positions held by um black Bahamians. And so um this this is going to be quite a, a neat experience. And I I don't even know what to expect. But what I didn't expect is that I was or or I didn't appreciate is that I was not Bahamian. I was from outside of the country um i was american and um and so i was met with some resistance and so and some bias on 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 their side and so um and i wasn't accepted It took quite a while for me to be accepted and um and i, I didn't really know why uh, but that was a very humbling experience for me for different reasons and um and so it helped to uh, opened up my own sort of, um, you know, frame of of understanding and listening to people from different backgrounds, and enabled me to be able to take on other assignments uh, in my career in Europe and in Asia, uh, and enjoy those experiences for what they are, and um, and enjoy meeting individuals from different parts of the world uh, for for what they they bring. You know that that is why I enjoy this work. We all continue to grow. Um, it, it is not um, uh, perfect. We are imperfect people, but that is part of why uh, it's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey and uh, it, can, it can feel like it's uh, overwhelming, but there are definitely moments where celebration is warranted and helps give you the energy to keep going.
0: Well, let's hope we celebrate a championship win this year with the Raptors.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Wouldn't that be so much fun? I, I only hear so many stories about what it's like um, in our organization when we're in the playoffs and when we win the championship. It is it is truly an organizational experience and employees, um, they they haven't forgotten and they they love it.
0: Well, Terry, talking about all things imperfect and being on a journey, I really want to thank you for joining me on Insights at Work. Now, we typically wrap up the podcast with a list of our guests' firsts and favorites. You ready to share yours? Oh, I think so. Let's go for it. All right. Terry Dennis Davies, what was the first car that you owned?
1: Oh, a Nissan Sentra.
0: What was the first job you had?
1: Uh, I worked in a photo studio, a photography studio as a, um, as a telephone, um, sales, uh, representative. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You're really making me think way back. What was the first concert you attended? Oh, okay. This is going to date me. Casey and the sunshine band. So wow. your listeners might have to Google that one, but I actually saw them at six flags in New Jersey. It was pretty, it was pretty amazing. We're a lover of the classic rock. <laughs> I like all kinds of music.
0: And what is your favorite piece of advice that you'd give to a young
1: professional
0: just starting out?
1: I tell them, don't worry if you haven't figured things out, do not worry. Um, it's okay.
0: I have had such a pleasure today having you on the podcast. It has just been an absolute delight. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This has been fun. And with that, it looks like we've run out of racetrack. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. If you've enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and colleagues so they can benefit from it as well. If you find the Insights Outwork podcast worthy, please go on to iTunes and give us a cool rating with a nice review. We certainly appreciate it. And if there's something that you would like me to discuss around this big world of HR and all things business, give me a shout. You know how to reach me on social media or through LinkedIn. In the meantime, stay healthy and be kind. We'll see you soon on the next episode of the Insights at Work podcast.